was mid-September 2016, smack in the middle of the U.S. presidential election, when I got tipped off to what sounded like an important development. A former British spy who had been hired by a research firm looking for derogatory information about Donald Trump's ties to Russia had come across something about an obscure Trump foreign policy advisor named Carter Page. I met with that ex-spy, Christopher Steele, in Washington, and he passed along some startling claims that Page had just had secret meetings in Moscow with two figures close to Vladimir Putin in which they discussed a possible deal to lift economic sanctions against Russia. Steele wasn't willing to be identified by name, but over the course of the next few days, I looked into Steele and his background, and I confirmed from an impeccable source that U.S. officials were indeed aware of these allegations and were investigating them. On September 23rd, I popped the story for Yahoo News. U.S. intel officials probe ties between Trump advisor and Kremlin, read the headline. Funny thing about this story, the Clinton campaign's press shop tried to steer other journalists to write about it, but almost nobody did, especially after Page reached out to the Washington Post and forcefully denied just about everything I'd written. Yet the story didn't go away. It was the first hint that the FBI was actually investigating a link between somebody in the Trump campaign and the Russian government. And now, nearly two years later, it's very much back in the news with the release of more than 400 pages of documents showing how the FBI, just a few weeks later, got a foreign intelligence surveillance warrant to eavesdrop on all of Carter Page's communications. We'll discuss my Yahoo News story, how it had far more legs than even I imagined, and the role it played and it didn't play in the FBI's secret warrant in today's Buried Treasure. Michael Isikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. You know, Dan, it's pretty bizarre to learn, as we did definitively this weekend, that a story we did uh, on, at Yahoo News is being cited by the FBI in a secret warrant to the FISA court. Uh, it is. Um, and this, uh, you know, we talked about this story in one of our uh, early podcasts. I think it was early February um, of this year. And um, here it is back again. And, you know, what's interesting about it is, uh, you know, and, and this is actually something that you're you're familiar with, it's happened to you on multiple occasions in your storied journalistic career, is that you and your stories are uh, kind of uh, becoming partisan footballs. Both sides are using um, using your story uh, to um, to kind of uh, promote their 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 agenda here, and particularly the Republicans, of course, because uh, the story uh, was front and center in the in the Devin Nunes memo, uh, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, uh, using it to make the case that the original FBI FISA application was essentially corrupt, uh, that they relied entirely on uh, the uh, Steele um, dossier, and that your story was essentially a derivative of, of what was in the Steele dossier because Steele was your source. Um, now, and- exactly. Now, what they, what they claimed beyond that was that the FBI used my story as, to corroborate Steele's allegations. And, you know, what we learned this weekend, when you look at those 400 pages that were released, 
is that was a disingenuous claim in the Nunes memo at best. Um, when my story comes into the FISA application, it's under a section uh, labeled uh, Page's denial denies. of cooperation with the Russian government, an entire exactly. section of the FISA application. Yeah. And, and what, they, what they did, what the FBI did in this warrant, was they uh, uh, laid out the steel allegations in great detail. And there's no question that Steele's claims were a part of the basis for this FISA warrant. But my, our story, the Yahoo story, is cited to set up the story written uh, by our colleague uh, Josh Rogan at the Washington Post just a few days later, in which Page reaches out to Rogan and denies everything that I'd written, calls the story garbage, said he never had these secret meetings. Now, from the Republicans' point of view, maybe that was um, uh, maybe game over. That should have shut down the FBI's interest in Carter Page right there. But it's pretty clear when you look at the page after page of blacked out material in this FISA warrant that the FBI had a lot more information that implicated uh, page in ties to the Russian government and a lot more reasons to be suspicious about him. And, you know, another point on that, um, as Charlie Savage, our friend at The New York Times, pointed out in his story, um, the as, as everyone, I think, knows, um, there were uh, multiple applications because um, the original application expired and then had to be reauthorized. And I think it was reauthorized, what, three times? Um, yep. Charlie uh, 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 very shrewdly pointed out that each application got uh, longer and longer, uh, the suggestion being that the FBI likely learned uh, more information and potentially got more information off of the wiretaps uh, they were using to surveil and spy on Carter Page. So that's at least some indication uh, that they were relying on more than just the Steele memo, but they were actually bringing, getting new intelligence to support their, their claims. On the other hand, um, you know, um, you, now, now granted, you know, most of that application is, is, uh, is blacked out, um, so we don't really know what the FBI has. Um, but they do make, uh, you know, some pretty uh, strong assertions about... Um, about Carter Page, you know, essentially being a spy or there being probable right. cause I mean, for right, that. Right from the get-go, they call him an agent of a foreign power. That foreign power is identified as the Russian government. Yeah, they go um, on to say that Page has established uh, relationships with Russia, Russian government officials, including Russian intelligence officers, and, and that he had been, quote, collaborating and conspiring with the Russian government. Um, you know, that's pretty dark uh, and... and uh, you know, uh, uh, ominous language, um, and right. uh, may- maybe they've got the, uh, the, the evidence to support that, uh, but they haven't charged him. Right, and I think that's a pretty important point uh, that um, is worth keeping in mind here. Uh, whatever the basis for this FISA warrant, uh, the uh, the FBI has never arrested him, never charged him with any of the crimes essentially alleged in the in the FISA warrant. Now. 
on the one hand, and by the way, I should add that I think the release of this uh, 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 of these documents is pretty much proof that Carter Page is not going to be arrested because I can't conceive of the Justice Department allowing the release of a highly prejudicial document like this if it was still planning on charging Carter Page. Exactly. I if, mean, if, if you're going to if you're going to make these allegations against someone, you make them in court. Um, right. You know, you don't make you them in the public. Out, yeah. You, you can't put out prejudicial material about a, uh, 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 about a prospective defendant like this and get away with it. It would be grounds for dismissal of the indictment right from the get-go if they were going to charge him. So I think people kind of have missed that in the back and forth. Um, I think at the end of the day, what this looks like is Carter Page falls into a murky area of somebody who had relationships with officials in the Russian government, uh, who was close, uh, closer than than the FBI would like to uh, figures in the Russian government uh, had communications that made them highly suspicious, but doesn't add up to him being a spy for the Russian government. Exactly. And one other thing I, I, I think is important to point out, um, especially since this is a buried treasure uh, in, in which we like to look at the history of scandals and investigations, is this is the first time uh, since the FISA law was passed by Congress in 1978, so in 40 years, uh, that a FISA warrant application has been made public. Um, these are, uh, you know, kept very, very close by the, the FBI. They're considered to be among the most sensitive documents um, uh, that, that they have. Um, and, and, and for the first time, uh, that line has been crossed, um, partly because, you know, I think part of it was that uh, President Trump actually declassified uh, the Nunes memos, and that in some ways may, may have uh, paved the way for this, uh, including the uh, Freedom of Information Act request that the New York Times and other organizations uh, filed. But it's a pretty striking thing, and, and just reading uh, one of these memos is is kind of fascinating. And I got to say, um, one thing that they uh, typically don't do um, in these FISA applications, uh, I gather, is actually name um, American persons um, or even American organizations. So, so Yahoo News, while it was mentioned <laughs> in the memo, is not yeah. mentioned by name in the in this uh, FISA application. Uh, instead, they, they refer to it as uh, an identified uh, news uh, organization. And Mike Isakoff, your name does not appear in the memo either. But I should say they did get your title right. They refer to you as. Uh, the chief investigative correspondent of said uh, ide- uh, identified news organization. Yeah, well, of course, uh, I think it says that under my byline, so <laughs> I'll give the FBI a little credit for reading the story right. That's good. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, how much credit, uh, it, we still don't know, because, we look, we, we do, in order to really evaluate this, you need to see to know what's in that blackout material. And we may never see that material because if I'm right and, and, and uh, Carter Page is not going to be charged, then um, the FBI would have, and the Justice Department would have no reason to uh, release um, prejudicial material, suspicious information it got from classified sources um, in the public sphere about somebody who's not 
uh, who's not being charged. Um, so uh, Carter Page is out there denouncing this uh, uh, material, once again affirming his uh, complete innocence, um, but he should be grateful that uh, this stuff is out because, um, you know, like I said, it may mean he is uh, entirely off the hook. What? Now, we should point out that while the specific allegations that uh, Steele made about um, – uh, about Page was that he met with a guy named Igor Sechin, who is uh, the head of Rosneft, the uh, Russian energy uh, con- uh, state-owned energy conglomerate, somebody extremely close to Putin, uh, and uh, and sanctioned by the United States. Uh, he was among those Russians sanctioned after the invasion of uh, annexation of Crimea and the intervention in Ukraine, um, and that he also met with a guy on Putin's staff named Tavikin who, according to Steele's uh, claims, was uh, directly involved in the hacking of the uh, U.S. Uh, US election by Russian intelligence. Um, Page has forcefully denied that he met with either of those individuals, but um, if you go back and look at, the te- at his testimony before the uh, House Intelligence Committee and the documents that were released with it, uh, it's clear that uh, Page did have meetings along those lines with people in Russia. He didn't meet with Sechin per se, but he read, met with the uh, head of investor relations for Rosneft. That's uh, uh, essentially a deputy to Sechin. And he met with another Russian government official and then after that sent emails, uh, uh, at least one email, back to the Trump campaign uh, telling them that uh, he'd had, uh, he'd had uh, important meetings in Russia uh, with officials uh, close to the government, with government officials, and uh, he wanted to share the insights he had learned. Right, um, and, he, and he, he, he later said that, that he had not um, uh, been giving advice uh, to um, any of these Russian officials or really talking to them, but he was just listening, um, which um, does not seem... Um, likely to me, but you know, I wasn't there, so so who knows? And I think he right. also had to revise his statement that he had never actually met with Russian officials when it turned out he had. Yeah, so yeah, that's, no, he, that he, he uh, puts his so credibility into things. doubt. Yeah, yeah, he said so many different things that you know it it, it does give you. Uh, insight into why the FBI was suspicious about this guy. But let's be clear, they did interview him. In fact, in in a letter he wrote to then-FBI Director Comey the day before that Josh Rogan Washington Post story, he offered to be interviewed by the FBI. Uh, There's uh, evidence that the FBI took him up on it. Um, So if he made denials that the FBI could disprove, he could have been charged with false statements um, or brought before the grand jury and charged with perjury um, or perjury for his uh, committee statements before Congress. Uh, He has not. So that would suggest that the FBI is not in a position to disprove his denials in spite of all the incriminating information uh, it apparently has on page. I I think you're probably right about that. Um, I think you're also right that um, uh, the the 
redacted portions of of the FISA application, uh, you know, likely won't come come see the light of day anytime soon. But I'm not sure uh, that we'll never um, uh, get that information. There may come a time. Uh, many years from now, when it is uh, some of that comes out um, through FOIAs or other means, um, and I'd like to think that uh, that when that happens, if that happens, that it will be fodder for another buried treasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's actually a safe bet because um, the Inspector General, uh, the Justice Department, uh, uh, is investigating the entire FISA process here. And whether this was there was an abuse here, whether the FBI misled the court in any way, uh, one particular that uh, the Republicans have cited is it uh, the FBI did not identify uh, the the fact that Steele had been hired by a GPS that was being paid through a law firm, Perkins Cooey, by the Clinton campaign and the DNC. Um, now, the, uh, the, the uh, FISA warrant application uh, clearly states that uh, the uh, uh, that, that the purpose of Steele's research was to develop information that could be used to discredit uh, or criticize the Trump campaign. So the political motivation was clearly stated to the court. It's not clear to me that the FBI knew at the time that it uh, uh, got this information from Steele that he was uh, being paid by the Clinton campaign. Uh, but also, as the, we, uh, but and, and the DNC. I mean, the Republicans' point was they didn't specifically mention the Clinton campaign or the firms that the Clinton campaign used. But as we've already established, um, it is it is not the practice in, in these FISA applications. They don't they don't name actual organizations. They don't name American persons. In, in fact. Donald Trump's name isn't mentioned um, in this FISA application. Um, it, he's referred to throughout as candidate number one. Uh, I believe right. even when right. they, even when he's become president, they still refer to him as candidate number one. And you know, as I said before, they don't mention uh, Yahoo News. They talk about an identified uh, right. news organization. So they're not going to mention the Hillary Clinton campaign or the well, DNC. Although. although- Although I think Byron York has written, they could have written that uh, that Steele was being paid by the campaign of candidate number two without naming uh, Hillary Clinton. But uh, like I said before, uh, it's never been clear to me, and I don't think there's any public evidence that suggests that the FBI knew that at the time. Uh, what they say about Steele, uh, they call him source number one, uh, in the FISA application, is that uh, he has uh, he has been providing information before that was quote used in criminal proceedings, and that the FBI assesses source number one to be reliable. Um, later in the uh, in the next FISA application, uh, it is worth noting that they added uh, a paragraph saying they had cut off. Uh, their relationship with Steele because he had um, provided information to another journalist, David Korn, my co-author in the book Russian Roulette, uh, who had... Uh, hey, had what, what, when are we going to start a drinking game? Uh, like every time <laughs> you mention Russian Roulette, uh, someone has to take yeah. a swig of bourbon. Yeah, well, I, I, I like the idea, but I should only point out that at least on this uh, episode, that's the first time, so you get only one shot. Um, <laughs> but we can we can up it. Um, 
Anyway, um, my substantive point here, and we are trying to stay serious, uh, uh, make this a serious skullduggery, is that um, they um, uh, they did point that out in a later FISA application uh, that they had problems with Steele. They cut off relations, although they said they still considered him to be reliable. All right. um, so the verdict is still out on uh, – to the degree to which uh, Steele's claims will be corroborated or not. But um, uh, I think the release of these uh, documents uh, is going to be more, certainly more fodder for all sides. I'll just say, you know, two final uh, points here uh, that um, while nothing in this release um, uh, really uh, substantiates the extreme uh, harsh allegations of uh, corruption that the um, uh, that the Republicans through the Nunes memo made. It doesn't mean that um, uh, the FISA process shouldn't get some new scrutiny uh, as a result of this, even if it is uh, because of politically motivated um, uh, charges by House Republicans trying to protect Donald Trump. Um, if Carter Page was a Muslim American and uh, the FBI had gotten a FISA warrant claiming that, that, that this Muslim American had ties to ISIS or al-Qaeda or was an agent of al-Qaeda, and then two years later they did not have evidence to arrest him um, but had been eavesdropping on this Muslim American's communications for a substantial amount of time, I think there would be quite an outcry from civil libertarians that the uh, FISA process uh, was being misused. Uh, in fact, the FISA process is used for all sorts of investigations, particularly in the counterintelligence sphere, that never result in criminal charges against somebody. I, but the government I, is still snooping on them. I agree. And, you know, the thing is, um, two things, the... the, the um, the, the the threshold um, uh, for these FISA applications is uh, warrants is is very low, uh, really probable cause, um, and because there's never been any trans until now any transparency um, around FISA uh, applications, um, the public just doesn't um, you know the, the FBI has not come under I think the scrutiny um, it should come under um, in in this whole process. I, I have to say I do doubt that in this highly uh, polarized partisan political atmosphere, you're going to get people on both sides um, of the aisle saying, "Okay, let's let's uh, let's have a reasoned, thoughtful, um, you know, examination of the process, and let's and let's reform it." But who knows? Maybe this uh, IG report will come out and and will will help spur that. Um, yes, and we'll have a uh, another opportunity when that IG uh, report comes out to revisit the uh, Yahoo News uh, Carter Page story on a later edition of Buried Treasure. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Buried Treasure. Don't forget you can subscribe to Skullduggery on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And also tell us what you think. Leave a review. We'll talk to you later this week. 